This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hello, so today I'm talking to Dahlia Hawley from Dahlia Botanique. So Dahlia sells her own botanical beauty products. So she formulates all of her and makes all of her products herself. Um, and we had a really great conversation about botanicals and what they are. Obviously, I, I didn't know. I'm not sure if you know, uh, but you will know after this episode. And we also talked a lot about the compliance side of creating um, beauty products and the testing and um, sort of everything that goes into that and how to know um, that products are safe and she also gave some really useful advice to consumers as well so if you are purchasing your own beauty products and particularly if they're handmade um, what to look out for um, to know that they will be safe for, for you so I thought that was a really interesting insight as well as everything else that Dahlia shared so um, I'm going to stop talking and introduce you now to Dahlia. So hi thank you so much for being here. Hi thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Shall we start with you? Please give an introduction to yourself, your business and what you sell. Yeah, so I'm Dahlia uh, from Dahlia Botanique and I sell skincare and a lot of my products are aimed for people who like spending a lot of time outdoors, who love gardening and want a sort of minimal skincare routine that's still going to really look after their skin, but not at a really high price point. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Well, that's like a really good succinct, like, description of your products that's fantastic you. <laughs> um so Dahlia what inspired you to create your skincare range take us right back to the beginning yeah so I used to make sort of balms and and the things like that for, for friends and family years and years ago when I was a kid um and I had a massage business um not as a kid <laughs> as an adult um and through there I started making my own massage oil blends uh and I kind of started to think oh you know I quite like to sort of look in a bit more into making my own skincare um and I don't know if you could call it luck but lockdown happened um and then one side of me I've lost I lost the massage work obviously we weren't working um but then I suddenly had all this time to set up my skincare uh, business I moved in with my other half we had a garden um, I redid the garden and then all the inspiration for all the botanicals that we grow suddenly I was like oh we can use a lot of these in skincare I started doing a skincare course with um, the soap school in Huddersfield and then Formula Botanica an online skincare school 
Um, and, and then, yeah, it just started to develop from there, really. I started making my products and, yeah, it just really took off. So that was kind of the whole sort of background of it. That's amazing. And so had, had it been at the back of your mind that this was something you would like to do? Yes. Yes, it had. Yeah, yeah. Because I was always thinking, as I was running the massage side of things, I was looking for a bit more of a passive income, say, if I couldn't work or whatever reason. Um, and so the massage oils, you know, I was making my own massage oils and, and working with an aromatherapist to make some sort of other products. And then, yeah, just from there, it's kind of like start, started developing even more. And then it's just, it, it was almost like a natural kind of end to the massage and beginning to the skincare. So it's sort of blended in quite well together. Yeah, I mean, like you say, you don't want to say that lockdown was lucky. And, and I completely know what you mean <laughs> here, but I guess the timing, I guess, was quite kind yeah. of fortuitous because I guess you had the time to actually work on yeah. this. Whereas when you have a day job and you're just what you know working it's very hard isn't it yeah, to yeah, kind of carve absolutely. out the time to do anything else yeah definitely, so yes definitely. so that does sound good and you mentioned um the garden and you mentioned sort of growing things so should we talk a little bit about the botanicals because I don't know much about botanicals but I do know they feature in your products so can you just explain yeah. what they are and, and why they're good for us yeah so I use um so I noticed the a lot of the wildflowers that we could grow and it was just kind of it, it sort of married at the same time that I was doing my skincare courses so it was like oh there's these oils that we use that are, you know that are from flowers so botanicals flowers that we grow in the UK you know we've got like um borage for example is really good you know that's a really nice dry oil um and then you've got sort of lunaria which is um I'm trying to describe it obviously um it's kind of like a pink flower and they're called I can't remember the name of them when they're dry they're kind of like a clear sort of circle and you can see inside like a moon shape and you can see the seeds inside you'll know it when you saw it when you see it but it's really distinctive uh, and they grow wild everywhere um and so I had that and then poppy as well so suddenly I was like oh you know um I was finding sort of poppy poppy seed oil in some of the literature that I was reading and I was like oh okay you know that that grows locally as well like actually I'm growing it in my garden um evening primrose as well and calendula um and I think calendula evening primrose are more those kind of historic botanicals that we know about I know my grandma used to you know make a calendula oil and things like that at home and um lavender and rosemary as well you know they're all growing you know I was growing all of those in my garden as well um, and so I was like, yeah, of course, you know, there's lavender essential oil, rosemary essential oil, um, and all those, you know, they, they all harbour really, really powerful properties as well. So, um, yeah, and obviously I remember my grandma used to make me lavender hair, for instance, as well, just from dried lavender soaked in water. Um, I can't remember whether it was actually, whether it actually worked or not, but, you know, it was something that we always did. So, yeah, it's an area, actually, there's a lot. A lot that we can get from some of these botanicals those flowers oh thank you for explaining that because I, I I wasn't yeah I wasn't entirely it sounds really silly doesn't it but you don't you realize yeah. you don't know what you don't know um, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um this might also be a really silly question um because I don't know how big your garden is but are you sort of um I don't know if making is the right word but do any of these elements come from your garden Sadly not, I would love to, but um, you have to use cosmetic grade ones. 
Um, so believe it or not, you know, we might, they might not look like there's any little insects or anything on there, but there is. So um, yeah, you usually have to buy them um, from a sort of company that have, I think they're what, it's not exactly how they do it, but they almost call it clean it. So, you know, you haven't got like bugs in it or anything like that. Um, so no, I do have to go and to get it cosmetically assessed, it has to come from a cosmetic grade. Um, company which means they they kind of make sure that you know it's all properly cleaned and 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 safe to use for the for the consumer as well so but they do use the, the companies i do use do use sort of uk grown botanicals as well and i think there's two that actually three suppliers that grow their own have their own farms so they process they grow it and they process it all on site and stuff which is brilliant so yeah i'd love to use my own but <laughs> i have to go through quite a vigorous process of testing to get it allowed in that makes sense I think what I was thinking of it sounds like a silly question but I think I was thinking back to you know you were talking about your grandma and yeah I I think that perhaps if you were doing it for personal use it's absolutely fine isn't it you can take what you want but it does make sense that if you're selling it and yeah it would need to be of a certain grade and presumably you have to go through testing and things like that as well yeah yeah, definitely. But if you've got some of those at home, there's no reason why. I've got my Instagram, I posted um, a video on how to make your own lavender room bags. Um, you know, I've, I've infused uh, rosemary and things like that before all at home for personal use. So dried lavender and chamomile as well. Can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> it's like the most popular herb. Uh, chamomile as well. I've dried that and used that as well. So for personal use, yeah, absolutely fine to, to use the product. So Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, and hopefully you'll inspire people as well to sort of see, sort of see what's in their garden and how they could, yeah, could use it. Definitely, yeah. So I, so it sounds like, so once you come, I, you, you know, you had a bit of space to sort of think about your skincare range and then you mentioned the courses that you were doing. So how did you go from there to having products? What was the process of actually, um, I guess, is formulating the, the I, oh, let's go yeah, with formulating. Yeah. That sounds like the right no, no, word. That's a, how no, did, no, that's exactly the right word. Yeah. yeah. So how did yeah. you go about with with formulating your your products and and working out what ingredients would they yeah. would, they'd have? <laughs> you can see no, I'm a little bit out of my depth with skincare. <laughs> so no, not at all. You're asking you're asking all the right questions. Um, yes, yeah, so it is called formulating because you are putting something together. So it's a bit like a science experiment. Um, so the way I started doing it, obviously I had all the course notes and in the courses that I was doing, first of all, soap school and then Formula Botanica, you have recipes that you can try and experiment with. Um, they, you know, they send you a list of all the ingredients, all the properties in, so you get everything kind of sent to you. And from there, you just you just start experimenting. You know, I was watching um, YouTube, I don't know if I can mention it, but someone called Humblebee and Me, American uh, lady, and she, you know, she, she formulates loads of products puts it all on YouTube she's brilliant um so you just start learning and, and reading and researching and then it's trial and error so <laughs> I've gone through hundreds of different formulations um and really it, it's it's trial and error and then sometimes you might you know you come eventually come to a point where you're like okay well I'm going to take the bits out of this that work and I'm going to remove the bits out of this that don't work um and then you're using sort of willing friends and family as guinea pigs as well. and then they all give you I've got some friends who are very good at giving me quite honest feedback um so yeah they became some of my guinea pigs 
and yeah and just from there it's just like a trial and error and eventually you, you find the one that works and the one that you like the most so it's quite a long process <laughs> yeah it sounds fun. like it it sounds really scientific because I guess you're having to keep you know meticulous notes on how much of this you've used and how much of that and there are so many yeah. elements as well aren't there with skincare because it's how it feels like the texture yeah, yeah. and the benefit what it does and how it smells yeah. like there's so many things yeah, involved definitely. yeah yeah and you calculate it all in percentages so so then you can upscale or, or downscale um how much you make but yeah there's lots of things you have to go through so obviously testing and then um God, I can't remember the name. <laughs> Basically, uh, stability testing. Yeah, so I'd put it in like different rooms around the house or different temperatures. You know, does it change? Does it solidify? Does the oil change? Does the smell change? All those kind of things. You know, like right, okay, how is it after like three months? Um, you know, does it still smell and feel the same? Does it change? So, you know, on a hot summer's day, I know that my body butters have no chance in surviving, but my oils are all right. So. Yeah, it was just one of those things. You just you you just have to kind of do all these stability tests as well. So yeah. Wow, I didn't fun. even think about that because yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, we've just come through a really hot summer, haven't we? So I guess in a way, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. good chance to test out how things react. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. But that's a lot to think about because you know, presumably, if you'd sort of formulated all your products in winter. Um, it could be very easy to get around to the summer and then find out everything melts or changes consistency yeah. or isn't yeah. really involved. I had that. Yeah, I had that. I had a, definitely this summer, I, I wasn't sending body butters out to people. I was just like, no, because I can't control the temperature once it's left. So on, on the labels, they would say, you know, store somewhere cool and dark, keep out of direct sunlight. But then, you know, when we had post strikes and things like that, I don't know how long they're being left in a van, hot van for or hot building or, you know, it's just not worth the risk. <laughs> um, yeah, so sometimes I do tell people not to put it somewhere like hot and sometimes, yeah, I've had people leave it on the windowsill and things like that as well. And I'm like, no. So, yeah, you do have to go through all these testing and you realise, you know, what, what kind of temperatures it works in and what it doesn't work in. So... Yeah. yeah that's a lot to think about and do you need to have any external testing done as well yeah so I uh, the way it works is for all cosmetics to be legally compliant you you go to a cosmetic chemist uh, who is a cosmetic assessor so they're specifically trained in being able to assess your recipes you don't need to send samples in uh, you send your recipe in um, and they're usually pretty good you know they're really really good at kind of telling you what you need to send in um, you send like, you know, what your label will look like, you send your product description in um, and how the instructions for how to use it and all the ingredients and the percentages or the grams of amount you have in. And then they will kind of look at that and say, actually, you need to remove this or you need to change this or this needs to be, especially with essential oils, because they are quite toxic. You know, we think about them as being quite healing and, and stuff. Actually, they are quite toxic in high doses. So they'll often tell you to change, you know, that as well. Um, and they're the ones that sign it off. So if anything was to happen, they, you know, um, they are kind of legally responsible for your product in a way as well. So yeah, you have to go through that. Um, with my body butters, I use, uh, I, I infuse chamomile and calendula in apricot kernel oil. Um, and I have to send samples off to a lab um, to, to get tested just to make sure that they, there's no contamination or anything like that. 
um but it's, it's easy to do it sounds like it's a lot but it is actually you know it's it is quite easy to do um and obviously peace of mind that you're legally compliant as well is also worth worth the money too I think so yeah Oh, absolutely yeah because yeah. it sounds like you know as you're talking I'm thinking there's more and more obviously you have to be aware of and think about it must yeah. be really reassuring actually to have someone external who said yes you're doing all the right things yeah yeah and they're really good like if something's not you know if if for, for instance they think ingredients not going to work or you've got too much of something they, they will kind of tell you to change it so yes and they send you all the, the reports and everything as well so yeah You'd be surprised how many people don't get testing there. <laughs> I've been, I have been to craft markets and seen products, and I, I kind of just have to like turn away now because it is a bit scary if, if sometimes people just don't do that process, which is bad. <laughs> it is, and so, is there a way? And maybe there isn't, but is there a way as a consumer of knowing whether someone has done the testing or not? Do you know? Um, you, there isn't really that much you can check. It's difficult because. I can't don't quote me on this but there was something about that you couldn't say that your products were cosmetically assessed for some reason or another I can't remember why uh, but I can always get back to you with that but they I what kind of stands out for me is I look at I look at label um I'll look at kind of what safety information they put in there um I've seen people selling face mists and not put, putting preservatives in there water is a breathing ground for bacteria uh so if you're if you're selling like face mist or room mist or anything without preservatives then that straight away is a red flag for me um you know and I, you know i will challenge someone on that as well i have challenged people about that as well um so it's usually things like that i can kind of i have like a list of red flags <laughs> that, that i can see things and how things are written and i think mm, hang on a minute has this person actually gone through the, the process and sometimes it could be innocent. Sometimes someone just doesn't know they need to go through that process. But the information is widely available online. So you've never really got an excuse, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that is really helpful. Thank you. Because I was just thinking yeah. as a consumer, you, you wouldn't necessarily know that somebody had to have that. But I think I'm definitely, from what you said, I'm definitely going to be looking at safety labels and products. Yeah, so I assume yeah. if there's no yeah. safety directions that's probably a red flag isn't it <laughs> there's nothing yeah really yeah you can even tell someone's not put, put you know allergens on or how to use how to store listed ingredients properly with what's called the inky names which is like the full kind of name of, of that ingredient you know there's little things like that that are just mm, or anything with no preservatives in but it's got water in yeah there's little things that kind of start thinking actually have they actually gone through testing so yeah okay thank you and I'm not asking and you know to try and call anyone out or scare no, no, anyone. No, no. it's just I'm just genuinely interested because I think for the interest of transparency it's just good it's just good to know this kind of thing isn't it and I mean yeah 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 it might hit people off buying it it might not but at least at least you're aware um yeah yeah definitely and I think trading standards are, I have I did read a story about trading standards actually going to a market not that long ago and shutting a few places down um but you know for people who are thinking about making cosmetics the information is out there and people are happy to give that advice and i've spoken to trading standards before about labeling and they've been so helpful you know they're not people to be scared of um and they will send you all the correct information and then you've got that email to say well trading standards have given me this you, you know this information about labeling 
so you've got your backup, you know, so these people do want to help. Um, so you can go out and get that information of how to be legally compliant as a cosmetic seller too. That's really good advice. Thank you. And yeah. it's good to know because I, you, you can see that you may think, oh, trading standards are, you know, they're a, you know, they're big and they're busy and they're not going to be approachable. Yeah. So it's really good that you've had that experience because I, yeah. I think you're right. Generally, if you ask, someone is willing to help you because, you know, everyone wants things done correctly and and safely so yeah I think that's great advice to just reach out if you're not sure because it's it's much better than guessing or yeah definitely um another thing as well so I've got to go on a bit of a rant about this I'm quite passionate about it but if people are making medical claims about their products like if people say oh it cures eczema or anything like that that's another red flag if you're saying that it cures any kind of skin condition it needs to be a medically certified product which you can't really do easily you know you have to go through a lot of you know a lot of companies and certifications to get that so again if people say oh it cures this or it cures that or you know of this skin condition and I'm just like mm, have you been medically certified to say that probably not so yeah there's lots and lots of stuff around labeling that that's uh yeah red flags for me yeah and I have heard of, and I've forgotten which which the body is and isn't trading standards but I have heard of people's websites being shut down because of mm. of those kinds of claims and mm. I know that you know it, it people are getting sort of stronger on it so um for yeah. selling on Amazon for example they will oh, not yeah. allow anybody to make any medical claims that can't be backed up and yeah, actually yeah, even yeah. selling cosmetics you do need to provide um your safety data information and sort of yeah, prove that you've gone exactly through the it. testing yeah, process yeah. which yeah. is great I'm not sure if all marketplaces are the same I don't know if Etsy's the same for example but I do know Amazon definitely are getting quite tough on that which it it can be frustrating because even if you have it all I know that it's you know it feels like you've been asked to jump through hoops but I I do think it's it's good that someone's kind of vetting these products before they go onto a marketplace and people start buying them yeah and even stuff like labeling you know a lot of people put the products are organic but they've not gone through certification to say that they're organic so again it's mis- it's misleading it's actually illegal um so and things like you know cruelty free but we can't you know we're not allowed to test for animals in this country so there's lots of things you've got to be really careful about with labeling and if you're labeling something organic but actually it's not been certified organic then again that's yeah you need to you need to know what you're putting on your labels and not <laughs> put anything that's illegal on there that's good to know and, and, yeah. and obviously you don't need to say how much but is there are there costs involved in going through these testings whether it's to certify your products are organic or to certify that they're safe are, are there costs involved yeah so it, is, it isn't the cheapest um you know you're talking sort of in hundreds of pounds um but again you know if you want to develop cosmetics you have to have the the money for that um there are now coming up on the market, which I think is really good, especially people who are quite new to cosmetic making, is a lot of the cosmetic assessors will sell um, pre-certified blends and products. So you can actually buy the assessment and then they give you the recipe. And then sometimes you can have loads of different variations on there. You have to follow it all to a T, obviously, but you know, you can buy that, you can buy the variations that you know, you can buy, say, like one base cream, it could be a hand cream, it could be a um, hand and foot cream it could be a body lotion and then you'll get like a choice of essential oils in that you can add in as well um, and you can buy the base product and then add these oils in 
um, and they'll do all different kinds of products like that, like face oils, beard oils, shampoo stuff, body care. Um, and sometimes that can be kind of a more affordable um, avenue to go down. I mean, I've certainly considered it for other products. Uh, and that's a really good way to have all the safety data, have your own skincare range, but not have to pay, you know, a much higher price for your own formulations. So it's usually a good gateway in. That really makes sense. And I guess it also saves yeah. you time as well, because the formulations I presume have been worked out for you. So you know that yeah. as long as you stick to the recipe, they'll work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you can even buy like the base of something as well and then add your <clears throat> own stuff in. So yeah, that really makes sense actually. That seems like a really good way of entering safely and yeah, as you say, spending a bit a bit less time as well. Yeah, a bit less time, a bit less money. That's really useful. Um yeah. oh, also, and I'm sorry to ask so many questions on this, but I'm, <laughs> no, you know, we've gone down this, we've gone down this path, and I'm really interested now. Um, if you're formulating yourself, does anyone ever come and check up on you, sort of where you're making them and how you're doing it because I know for example if you were to make food products at home you would yeah. have your kitchen certified and yeah you know you, you, I don't think it happens very often but presumably someone can come along and check that everything's yeah, yeah. clean and and everything else do does something similar apply when you're formulating cosmetics yeah it can do yeah so you need to have on your labels that if your dress or your safety data is, is stored so paperwork and everything like that um so that's on my labeling because it's my home address um, and yeah, if they wanted, if they had any kind of suspicions or they thought that anything, you know, there was something wrong with the products, there's absolutely no stopping uh, trading standards coming around and, and wanting to see all my paperwork. So obviously, probably unannounced as well. So you need to make sure you've got it all to hand. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just hope you don't mind me asking. It's not that I. No, 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 no. It's, it's fine. It's good, good to yeah. know. I think then people who are listening who want to go into skincare formulation you need to have this information you know you need to know yeah. these things so yeah I think so I, and not to obviously to scare anyone or put anyone off but I think it's <laughs> there's nothing worse than finding something out six months down the line for example where you think oh I wish I'd known that yeah um, yeah definitely because often we can find ourselves doing not doing things wrong but perhaps not doing things we should be doing because we yeah. just don't know that we should be doing it yeah, so yeah, I really appreciate yeah. how much you're sharing because this is no no it's fine <laughs> I think this is so this is so useful because it's you're being so transparent I think anyone who is thinking about skincare and cosmetics is getting a really clear idea of what's involved and that is really important yeah yeah definitely oh absolutely yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about your actual ingredients for your products. So you mentioned that they're grown in the UK. Is, UK, that, is yeah. that right? And was that part yeah. of your vision from the start that you wanted to source from UK suppliers? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Especially when, you know, I started, started gardening. I had quite a lot of time in my hands in lockdown, uh, like many people so I started transforming my other house garden um, and yeah, so I decided there and then actually, you know, this would be a really nice kind of twist to add to it. Um, there are a few brands that use UK botanicals as well, so I'm not the only one. Um, it's not possible to get everything from, from the UK, um, but I get a lot from, but I get sort of stuff from UK suppliers. Um, I had a lot of problems with Brexit where a lot of my ingredients were cut off. So yeah, still recovering from that a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I mainly work, all, all my suppliers are within the UK because it's just more cost effective now 
um, rather than trying to get it abroad. And thankfully, they all stock everything here as well, which is a bit of a relief. But um, they will obviously have to import certain things, like things like the shea butter, cocoa butter. You know, we can't produce that here. Um, certain oils as well that I use, you know, they can't be produced here because we don't have the weather, unfortunately, for mandarins and bergamot and all the, you know, things like that. So they do have to be imported, but I, I go through UK suppliers for that. So, and then, yeah, the ones, the UK grown botanicals, um, there's three of my suppliers that have their own farms and they grow their own and process their own, or they use farms locally to them. Oh, thank the UK you. Ones. Yeah. And was that an, an easy process or was it quite hard to find what you needed in the UK and because I'm always really fascinated by sourcing because I know that yeah. suppliers are such a key part of sort of the journey and often it can be really challenging to yeah. to find exactly what it is you need yeah oh yeah definitely I spent ages looking um now within when you're within a kind of industry and I don't know if you found this you kind of get to know who the good suppliers are and so especially because I was doing courses, they had lists of suppliers too, which is, you know, they give you all the information as lists. So you're not starting from a completely blank Google <laughs> looking for, for suppliers. Um, and then just through there, just through, through looking through these suppliers, um, I found them and then I was Googling. I can't remember now how I came across Lunaria. I'm sure I saw it in another product or I was Googling like UK ingredients UK grown kind of skincare and I found Lunaria and then I found the um, farm down south that, that grow it and process it and then they um, from there I found that they have borage and white poppy and then two I found two other two of the other suppliers um, we have the lavender chamomile and rosemary as well so it kind of all sort of linked in eventually but yeah there's just a lot of googling basically <laughs> and I was just lucky because I did the courses I got like loads of lists of suppliers as well which helped so I wasn't starting completely in the dark. Yeah, that's really useful and I guess that's another benefit of doing the course as well because also presumably yeah. there are people you could have asked if you got yeah really stuck because they'll know the yeah, industry. Definitely. Yeah absolutely and you know you have your own Facebook groups as well um, especially the soap school you know that was what two years ago you know I'm still in a Facebook group I'm still in a Formula Botanica one so yeah there's always you know you can pop on and say right I'm really struggling to find this can anyone help and someone always pipes up so which is good that's really nice isn't it because I feel yeah. that sometimes there can be a misconception that you know it's all everyone's in competition but I've actually yeah. found completely the opposite and often if you ask somebody I mean some of the best sort of suppliers that I found have just been by saying does anybody know yeah. someone and I think if people have someone that they're happy with and, and they work well with usually they're nine times out of ten they're quite happy to just share that because it benefits yeah. everyone oh definitely definitely and you know I've got this friends who are formulators have their own skincare brand but I don't see it as a competition because there's enough for everyone and we're different markets as well so you know I've got no problem with sharing suppliers and things like that so yeah people are completely different as brands and different audience and like you say there's, there's enough skincare products for everyone <laughs> so you know it's not like it's something that's really niche and, and that you know people only buy from you and, you're, and someone else sent competition so yeah yeah I mean I guess the only the only exception to that is if someone is actually copy you know outright oh, yeah. copycatting 
somebody yeah. else's brand but I don't think that well I, in my experience that doesn't seem to happen a lot no um is there any out of interest though can you protect your formulas if you wanted somebody to not make exactly what you were making is can you do that I know that uh, sorry it's another question no, 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 prepared no, sorry, for. It, just, <laughs> it just suddenly struck me that um there, there must be cases where actually with skincare and with lots of other things that there must be mm. sort of people selling pretty much the same thing but we as consumers just aren't aware of that because we don't know they're using the same or similar formulations I, I assume um maybe I'm yeah. maybe I'm wrong I don't you know, know I don't know actually that's a good question I'm sure I've come across this before and I can't remember what the answer is I know you can trademark your brand name yeah um but I don't know about formulation I can't remember off the top of my head about formulations because I remember um when you were saying that it just reminded me of how um this high street shops now doing cosmetic uh dupes aren't they the most expensive wasn't it Audi I think have got some really good I'm seeing lots of people post about some of the Audi skincare of how it's exactly like um you know some of the famous brands I think like, it's Elizabeth, Elizabeth Arden or something isn't it I've yeah. heard it compared to um and the body what... shop hemp as well I found a body shop hemp cream exactly the same ingredients but it was Audi I was like oh how did it how did they do that <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. what got me wondering actually, because um, I, I'm quite a fan of that of the Audi skincare range because it's yeah. good quality and it's yeah, yeah, and it's you know a quarter of the price of some of the yeah of the Definitely. bigger brands. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That did get me wondering. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that if you're a massive, you know, if you're Nivea, maybe or whoever mm. owns Nivea, maybe you can protect your. I don't know maybe but then I don't know who would police that I know, I know I'm going really off track now but it did it did get me wondering because there's no such thing as an original idea is there really no 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 oh absolutely not you know and I was obviously when I was researching my formulations I was looking at brands that I like and think oh yeah you know I really like their kind of the whole brand their ethos their ingredients you know so you have to be careful that you could you don't go down that hole of like I'm going to try and replicate what they're doing um but yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I've come across this before and I can't remember off the top of my head what the answer was for this. I know you can trademark your name, but I don't know about your recipes. So Perhaps it's something that's yeah. sort of reserved for the brands with a lot of money because <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. it's cheap. Yeah, they have their own legal teams and yeah, yeah, definitely. But it does make sense what you're just saying though about looking at other products that you like because I suppose, yeah. I mean, whatever product you're creating, I always say to people, look at what you're com- competitors are doing not to copy but you know if they've got a particular scent that you like or you know you wouldn't copy like for like um and hopefully you'd be looking to improve on what Mm, they were doing but I think you know we do need some we do do need to get inspired from somewhere and also just know what else is is there as well it's just good to know like where you where you fit and what makes you different so yeah absolutely nothing wrong with looking at it no 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 it's good you should be <laughs> and see what's out there and stuff and what people are doing so yeah definitely so let's move on a little bit if that's okay and talk about yeah. actually sort of when you started to sell your products um because it sounds like this, this you know the formulation stage was really big and then presumably you also have to work on labeling and packaging and there's lots that goes into that so when were yeah. you ready to start selling and how did you do that um, so I think it took me about a year to to go through the process um, and 
I was already lucky that I was selling some of my massage products in a shop called Fabrication, which is a social enterprise of indie shops in Leeds and Wakefield, um, Leeds and Wakefield, Leeds and York, oh my God. <laughs> Um, yeah, Leeds and York, I live in Wakefield, I live in the shop in Wakefield. Um, and so he, the owner of that dawn said, yeah, you know, bring your products in. Uh, obviously we were in lockdown, so everything had to go online. And then, you know, um, so it had to work like that. That was that was a bit strange. Uh, and, but yeah, they're on the shelves there now. And um, I moved to Wakefield. So I approached the art house in Wakefield and they were, you know, they were really keen to have. So I approached kind of, um, Sort of more indie retail spaces because uh, I saw they were working with more sort of local businesses as well so I knew they'd probably be a good fit for, for my brand and then I again I just knew of Etsy and people were selling on Etsy so I started I head down that avenue first because it's quite easy set up you don't need a website you know it's quite self-explanatory um, and it's very popular as well so lots of people know about it and then I sort of went over to Shopify sort of later on sort of earlier this year with my new range and moved my whole brand over to Shopify. Thank you. And how did you, um, so are you still on Etsy as well as Shopify now or are you purely on Shopify? Yeah, I've still got, um, I've still got a shop on, on um, Etsy just in case anything happens to Shopify. I, don't, I get like a couple of hits on it, but not as much now as now that I've kind of moved over um so yeah so I still get a couple of hits on there but I use it more as a as a backup just in case yeah that makes sense it definitely makes sense not to just have you know if you if you if it's relevant for you to be in two places that totally makes sense but yeah it's yeah. always good to have sales on your own website isn't it because then there's none of those fees and and everything else that just eats into your margins yeah yeah definitely and and you know I'm open to Amazon as well if it fits <laughs> So, you know, when I first met you, I was like, oh, I've never thought of that Amazon. Could I tell on Amazon? So that is something that's been in the back of my mind, actually, since, <laughs> since I found your company and your brand and everything. Oh, we can talk. We'll talk about that when, yeah, we, yeah, when, when we're not recording. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Amazon can be a good place for well for all kinds all kinds of, of of products and it definitely sounds like well like I said we'll talk about it in more detail but it, yeah, just yeah, for yeah. anyone else a cosmetics brand it definitely sounds like you have everything you need because you've been through all yeah. the certifications and you can prove that your product is safe and it's been tested um those are the kind of the key things that you need to have and in terms of whether you know what the market's like and things like that's something different but it definitely sounds like you yeah. have all of the components which is really important because if you don't um you, you can't and that's that that is the bottom line you know if you haven't had your products tested you just can't do it no 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 it won't no. get on there so it's not worth it the cost you pay to get because you you know if someone sees you because you know they have a skin reaction that's going to be five six eight times million times more expensive than getting a cosmetic assessment for like 200 quid <laughs> so, absolutely yeah. and um, and I know I keep going back with all these compliance no, no, things good. but um I guess it's, it's probably also worth having insurance isn't it I suppose if you sell something yeah, yeah definitely topical. yeah I've got like personal liability um also because I do markets as well coming up to Christmas so you need insurance for that and again there's some really good sort of craft insurers out, out there as well that, that a lot of people in the craft industry use um and again you know for, for the year it's not that much so it's, it's worth doing I think I mean I think you're so right for peace of mind just you yeah. know on the very very unlikely event that anything does happen sort of knowing you've you're covered and you've got someone 
to turn to um because yeah. presumably these insurers you know also would give advice on sort of how to you know how yeah, to definitely. deal with it then yeah, I yeah, think yeah, yeah it's definitely it's definitely worth having that because obviously it's a small business you're not going to have a legal department or yeah or anything like that so yeah I think yeah. you're right for <laughs> however much it costs a year I think it's definitely yeah, definitely, definitely worth it yeah definitely and so you mentioned um you mentioned selling in markets is that something you're doing in the run-up to Christmas or is that part of your sort of sales strategy year round I hope it's part of my sales strategy really um I started doing some so targeting more of sort of local areas because I found that um, a lot of people sort of around where I am are really supportive and they were you know they were coming along to markets that I was doing and they were they were becoming sort of repeat buyers um, and I had a Christmas market locally um last year and I think because it was a regular market people were coming back all the time and they wanted to support people in their community so and I was like oh okay this is an untapped store uh so it was great so I just decided to kind of um go with that really so I've done a couple of pop-ups locally and um yeah and I definitely want to do sort of more sort of markets this year like Christmas markets uh, I tried doing a really big one a really big expensive one last year I didn't make that many sales and then I went to a smaller one expecting I wasn't going to make that many sales and I sold out in an hour. So, yeah, it's been interesting. It's taught, it's taught me now that the smaller, more local markets um, are the places where my products are well. And, and I have, you know, where these markets are, there are more affluent areas, as we say. So I do get people, you know, wanting to buy more um, and spend more money, which, you know, and plus they've been really supportive of my business as well, which, which is fantastic. That's and really repeat, lovely. Yeah, and they repeat buyers now as well, which is really, really nice. So yeah, very thankful. That is really nice. And it's nice to know yeah. what works. And obviously it's not great when something doesn't work, but I yeah. think it's good at least you can say, okay, well, I tried that and actually yeah. that didn't work for me. So put that yeah, to one yeah, side yeah. and and concentrate on what on what does work. And it's yeah, really lovely definitely. to have the local support as well. I hear this oh, a yeah. lot and yeah, I can definitely relate to that so I love buying from local businesses or people I know or a friend of a friend it's just yeah I definitely think there is a more of a drive for that isn't there to support to support definitely. local and to support the smaller businesses yeah yeah and it's in-person selling as well you know I went along to a women's group the other week and people can try the products you know which they can't do that much of now online you know I, I brought testers along people were trying on the serum they were trying on the balms and the oils they could smell it they could feel it they could feel the texture and you know they were buying it because of that so like oh it feels really nice on my skin it smells really nice or I'm just going to take it away and make sure I'm not having a reaction oh no actually it's been really nice I'll come back and buy that so I think there's a lot to say for, for in-person selling and actually people being able to touch and feel and, and you know a product as well it just I think we're not used to that as much now so yeah that makes a difference as well I agree I was talking to somebody about that yesterday that I feel like now Mm. that we can go out or get again and and I know we have been able to for a while I think there definitely is more of a drive for people want to buy things in person and actually I mean there's always been that it's always been nice to be able to look at things and feel them and everything else yeah yeah I think after not being able to do so for so long um yeah it, it kind of I think you're almost appreciate it a bit more as well that you can actually go and yeah yeah. and I think as well for for product homemade products there's something really nice about meeting the person behind the product well whether it's homemade or whether it's a small business I think just meeting the person behind the business does make a huge difference as well yeah Um, absolutely 
because you, you know your product yeah you can ask that person questions you can talk to them about the brand you can talk to them about the product so yeah definitely yeah I think there's definitely a lot a lot to be said for that um yeah, yeah it does make a huge difference yeah definitely so I have one final question, if that's okay, Dahlia. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, what is your number one piece of advice for other product creators? What would you want someone to take away from today? And this might be specific to the cosmetics industry, or it might not be um, your choice. Oh, God, just one. Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say be prepared for the time it takes. Um, I think sometimes people assume they can make something they can get out on the market straight away. It can take years, it can take months, you know, I remember your your last um, interview you had and, and then, you know, the lady there was saying how long it took and, you know, you, you will go through so many samples, you'll go through so many things that go wrong, you'll go through a lot of money and a lot of time and you have to be prepared to just be patient. I'm, I'm not the world's most patient person, <laughs> so I've had to really learn to go, okay, to take a step back and just, you know, understand that this is going to take a long time to do. So, you have to be prepared for that but it's not going to go out onto the market like that tomorrow you're probably going to be there for a year maybe a couple of years of doing your research and development of that product so you have to be you know prepared for that I think is the most important thing I think that's so helpful thank you because yeah. I think even if you are the most patient person it can still get really disheartening you know you feel <laughs> yeah. like will I ever get there and everyone else is doing yeah. this quicker but I mean that isn't the case because of course the first time we unless it's someone we know personally, often the first one yeah. we have a product is when it first goes on sale, when it's ready to launch. And that could be, mm. as you say, that could be a couple of years from yeah, when definitely. that original idea came about. So thank you for being so honest about that because I think you're right that, um, you know, you don't always under fully, we don't always always fully under appreciate how yeah. long these things can take and it's like yeah, a piece of yeah. string as well isn't it so what takes one person a year might take somebody else two years for yeah all kinds of reasons and also there'll be some who manage to do it quicker but um but yeah I think it takes as long as it takes doesn't it yeah yeah definitely you have to be prepared for that <laughs> well thank you so much for that that's excellent advice and thank you so much for all that you shared because I know I asked you a lot of questions and so a lot of them you were prepared for <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize fine. how interested I was going to get <laughs> in um in the regulations but um I just think yeah because you were so open talking about it I think it's it's just such you know valuable information mm. for people to have if they're considering a cosmetic or anything topical I guess um it's yeah. really worth knowing so thank you so much for sharing thank you for having me it's been really nice and I always like talking about sort of the research and development and the compliance thing bill so yeah no thank you for having me you're so welcome thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website vickyweinberg.com please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful thank you again and see you next week if you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.